Hello everyone and welcome to The Stage You Place, the podcast where we hear chat to creatives from behind the scenes in theatre who make the magic that you see on stage. From writers to directors, producers to designers and on today's episode we have the writer of Jab, James McDermott, coming on to talk about the show at the Finbra Theatre. The show has already opened to four and five star reviews so please enjoy episode 137 of The Stage You Place with writer James McDermott. Hello James and welcome to The Stage You Place. How are you doing this evening? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me on. How are you? I am very good, thank you. James, today we are here to talk about Jab, which is at the Finborough Theatre. You are the writer of the play and you were just saying that you're heading into rehearsals next week to start the play with the director and the cast and any other creators within the room. How are you feeling at this exact moment as the writer? I'm really excited. I always feel like rehearsals are the treat for being a playwright, that you spend so much time on your own writing it, rewriting it, implementing notes. So to actually get in the room and hang out with people and start to make the thing feels like it is the treat at the end of that process. And the first draft of the play was written nearly two years ago. So it's a long time coming to kind of get here. So it, I, yeah, a sense of anticipation, but also it's excitement and hope really what we're going to make together. And that's the thing as well, isn't it? It's within the room where you've got other eyes and other minds and other voices to be able to, you know, shape these characters. Like you say, you'll be able to hear the actors actually speak the words. So James, we're going to be talking about Jab today. Talk to me a little bit about the inspiration behind writing the piece. Yeah, so the story of Jab follows how the COVID-19 lockdowns impact the relationship of a couple who have been married for 30 years. The wife in that couple works in the NHS and is out vaccinating people and finding buildings that were closed down in the pandemic that can kind of be temporary morgues or hospitals, really, whilst the uh, husband doesn't really believe COVID's dangerous and is an anti-vaxxer, works in a vintage shop and has closed that shop and is working from home and slowly starts to get really uncomfortable with the power and purpose that his wife has in that pandemic. And that starts to bleed into their relationship. So whilst it sounds like it's a COVID-heavy play, the word COVID is never mentioned in the play. It's kind of kept off stage. It's the background, the action, and the play follows that relationship. And I think the first draft was very heavily based on my parents. That setup is my mum and dad, really. And I locked down with them. I'm not in the play, or that son character isn't in the play. It's just the two-hander. But I think I wanted to archive that time because it felt like I had such an insight into the experience of an NHS worker because of my mum's experience being that kind of frontline worker in the pandemic. A fascination with how my dad couldn't really believe the danger of it and how, like so many friends, relationships seem to go a similar way as well, that either couples got really close or really distant. You were forced to spend time together in that little petri dish of the house and there was nowhere to go. So your relationship was changed by that claustrophobia. And so whilst it was a really personal story, I wanted to write it because it feels like we all slept walk through that time and no one's really documented it on stage yet. And it feels like such an alive time and plays to me all about bodies in rooms. And so a perfect form through which to explore COVID or lockdown or yeah. the claustrophobia of isolation. It came from my parents' experience, but then as that's been extrapolated and characterised through fictional people in the play, yeah. that spirit of, well, let's share it with everyone because we've all gone through it, but haven't properly processed it. Yeah, and that's why the Thimber Theatre is kind of the perfect venue for this, because there is that claustrophobic yeah feeling of everybody bundled into this theatre going 
along with these characters. And like you say, it's more the relationship between the two people rather than talking about the pandemic and the virus itself. When you're then obviously going to get into Tech Week and you're going to be having the performances and the audiences Mm -hmm. come out of what has been a true experience, how do you think those close to you will react to the play? Obviously with your parents and stuff, how familiar are they with what you are putting onto the stage? Yeah, I think the play has been read by people who need to read it or read the first draft of it and kind of said, you have my permission to tell this story. Told them since then it's been extrapolated and developed. Because I think it's important for me and for the actors that we can kind of bring our own stamp to it and find our own way into these people more than trying to create a piece of documentary about my parents. That's not what I wanted to do. So I think, yeah, my family are coming to see it and I'll be interested to see how it resonates with them. And again, I think hopefully it will give them that lens that the audience will get too, that they slept walk through it. They didn't really process it as it was happening to hopefully give them some perspective on what and why things happened as well. Absolutely. Well, James, we'll talk a lot more about Jab later on in this episode. But what I want to just draw on now is your experience as a writer. So James, Mm -hmm. tell me a little bit about how theatre came into your life. Is this from an early age? When did you start discovering theatre and realise that you could be a writer within the industry? Well, my first memories of theatre, like so many people, are pantomime. I grew up in Lincolnshire in a place called Boston, and we'd go to Blackfriars Arts Centre every Christmas. And I remember being obsessed with panto because it felt like one of the only times of the year I would see camp. Pantos are the queerest thing to me. You've got kind of men playing mums in the form of the dame. You've got the principal boy played by a female-identifying performer. You've got two people playing a cow or a donkey. They're the maddest form. So it felt like a really queer place I could escape once a year. And so theatre always felt magic and camp. But I never really went until university. I started writing when I was a kid by watching comedy videos. I was obsessed with things like Only Fools and Horses and Victoria Wood. And I'd write fan fiction, Only Fools and Horses or Dinner Ladies, and act them out on my own in the garden. And then I carried on writing and wrote some sketches at school. I had a really good drama teacher and media teacher who both said to me, I think you should go and do some script writing at university because I didn't know what else to do with myself. And so I went to UEA thinking I wanted to go into sketch comedy. But the more I started studying plays, the more I went to see theatre, living in a city for the first time in my life when I was at Norwich, the more I fell in love with live storytelling and telling stories that felt bigger than sketch comedy as well. I think I didn't think I could be a playwright because I hadn't read or seen any plays about Lincolnshire Norfolk or being a young queer person in a rural place. And then when I started to see those talk stories, either touring from Payne's Plough, coming to new yeah. writing things in Norfolk, that bug kind of bit me and then propelled me into writing plays now. So then coming on to collaboration throughout the career, obviously, as a writer, you have to give away your work to then Mm. be able to see it in different eyes and a different light between other people. So obviously going back to Jab and working with Scott Lacrasse, who has been on the podcast here on the Stage Plays before, what is it about working with Scott that you're really excited for delving into this play and bringing it on stage? First and foremost, the general response to that question is that working with anyone else on the play helps me re-see it all the time. I have friends who are novelists and make their world, complete it, publish it, and there's no collaboration. Of course, the reader collaborates and kind of carries the novel in their head in their own way. But I think people bringing their minds and imaginations to the text helps me find new stuff in it and make it as strong as it can be before an audience encounters it. I haven't worked with Scott yet. He's connected with my writing before and I've connected with things I've seen him direct before. And I think from the reading we've had of the play with the cast and the notes Scott's given me in advance of being in the rehearsal room, he's an incredibly detailed, thorough reader. It's really like I am 
drawn to capturing the detail, the smallness, the subtext of everyday life, mining what people aren't saying to each other under what they are saying. And that naturalistic tendency sits alongside a real play and theatricality, which I'm really looking forward to him bringing out of the text, because it starts in quite a naturalistic place and then becomes incredibly formally different to anything I've written before. And I think Scott feels perfect to capture the nuance and naturalism of the couple's relationship, but has that sense of play and impish spirit as a director to kind of really take the formal invention of the piece and make magic with that really yeah so then for people coming to watch this play what would you like them to take away from the show would you like them to take away the idea that they can step back into that time of you know the pandemic think about what they were going through at that point or do you want them to really focus on what is being told between these two characters and take away what they've learned as characters from the show itself yeah i think both i think through watching those characters and reflecting on how the things happened in the play came about the intensity of the experience we were living through and the madness of lockdown yeah. changed lives i hope through understanding what happens to the characters they can better understand what happens to themselves but i think first and foremost we it's a very funny play in places and i think they're working class characters and my parents very very working class background and they have this phrase that if you can laugh at anything you're bulletproof so if you can mock everything nothing can really hurt you and i think they've got that the play's got that spirit i think it's a very dark play and hopefully we'll kind of batter the audience's emotions in all sorts of ways but I think it's fundamentally very funny so I think people will have a good laugh and a good night out and that's important to stress because it's COVID themed but I think underneath that I hope there's some analysis of what did we go through how did we go through it yeah absolutely so obviously there is some humour in the play as well so talk to me about a scene a monologue a moment in the play that you are excited or you know interested to maybe hear the audience's reactions obviously you've not seen the actors in the space you've not seen Scott you know really delve into that script at the moment but from your writing is there a moment that you are excited or interested for the audience's reactions to Yeah, there is. So most of the scenes in the play are built around games between these husband and wife characters and how they try and get power in a scene or annoy each other in a scene. And there's a silent sequence where Anne, who is the female character in the play, is trying to watch TV. And Don, her husband, doesn't want to watch what she's watching. They refuse to change the channel, so he eats fully on stage two bags of crisps one after the other as loud as he possibly can and we're just going to see how long we can get away with that every night how long before the characters need to speak or snap at each other how long before the audience find it uncomfortable and there's several similar moments throughout the piece where we just sit with them in silence and hone in on the the detail of our lives and then how we can make that theatrical in a game and I think all those moments I'm really looking forward to finding in rehearsal but also refinding every performance depending on the audience in the room. Yeah. So obviously, James, today we have been talking about Jab, which is at the Finborough Theatre from the 20th of February until the 16th of March. Quite a big stretch there, which is really great. So if people are listening to this episode, I really do hope that they'll be able to get their tickets. Now, James, before I let you go, I've got two final questions for you. They're the questions that we ask everybody who comes onto the podcast. And the first is simply if people are listening to this podcast and they'd like to go into the industry as a writer, what advice would you have for them? I think write the play you want to see on stage and in the world. If you don't enjoy the work you're making and you're writing something you think you need to write to get on or appeal to a certain producer, it's kind of dead on arrival, really, because it hasn't got 
a drop of blood in it. It hasn't got your heart in it. So I think write the play you want to see. What would you love to go and see? I do a lot of teaching, teaching people of all ages. And I think the thing across seven years of teaching now, the thing that distinguishes those who want to be writers and those who are writers is the people who are writers write something finish it, send it out and write something else. Yep. They don't just say, oh, I'm a writer that will never write. They don't just nurture one project for five years and never move on and are desperately slavish to getting it produced and nothing else matters. They're writing lots of different things, sending them out, fielding the rejection, writing something else and cracking on with it. So I'd say if, if you can cultivate that thick skin to do that, write something, finish it, send it out, start something else and repeat that process. I've never really thought of it like that. Yeah, because obviously, like you're saying, like there must be so many projects that you're working on it once especially you know when you want to be a writer that obviously mm. yeah, you are finishing it but then having to realize that you do need to keep writing because yeah. that thing that you've wrote maybe isn't going to go anywhere before I let you go there is one final question for you it's my favorite question that I love to ask on this podcast it's the one that gets my guests most relaxed because usually they go back in time and they talk to me a little bit about a story about you know what we're about to talk about But what I want to find out from you, James, is where your stagey place is. And the stagey place could be a place or a person that has inspired you throughout your career. So as a place, it could be a venue where you've gone to see some amazing shows. Like you say, when you write, you want to write the plays that you want to see on stage. So maybe there is a stage in the UK where you saw a show and went, this is amazing. And whenever you think of that show, you think of that place. Maybe it's the bar before or after a performance, whether or not this is a play of yourself, or it could be a person that has inspired you throughout your career, whether or not that's a teacher or someone from new theatre or, you know, the people at the pantomimes when you went to go and see them as a child. So for you, James McDermott, whereabouts is your stagey place? I live and work mainly in Norfolk and have for about a decade now. And so I've got a place in London and a place in Norfolk. And I think the place in Norfolk has to be... Norwich Theatre Royal, their main stage in their stage two space. And I've written several plays for them over the years and seen some things there that have really transformed, transformed me as a writer and an audience member. I love the team there. I love all they've helped me achieve, commissioned me really, really early in my career in a way I don't think I'd have ever got if I lived in a different part of the country. So I, I feel the magic specialness of that building makes it my Norfolk stagey place. The place in London is always going to be the Park Theatre at Finsby Park, where a play of mine called Time and Tired went on in 2020. And it remains the thing I'm most proud of, that original production. The best time with the company, the show was everything I wanted it to be. And it took me about five, six years to get that play on. So it feels like such an arrival and such an achievement that we got it there and it did well. And it closed a week before the world closed. We were so lucky with the timing. World went into lockdown a week after it finished. So it, f- it feels like a really important play. And my stagey person, if I'm allowed my third, which is very naughty, has got to be a playwright and teacher called Steve Waters, who taught me at UEA when I was a student there, 2012 to 2016, and is now my colleague at UEA. We teach script writing together. And again, just such an important teacher that pushed and pushed and pushed me. He's read everything even when I wasn't a student, comes to see everything even when I wasn't a student. He supported me for a decade or so, has made me, I think, in part, the kind of writer, teacher and thinker I am about theatre. So he's that person that I go to for that inspiration and that, that guidance. Yeah. It's really lovely in that answer there where you just said that he comes to see everything that you do. And we hear it time and time again on this podcast 
that really champion what students do afterwards. They really want to cherish the work that is being made by students current and, you know, alumni as well. That is really wonderful to hear. It was also nice to hear you talk about the Park Theatre. I did a show at the Park Theatre last January, so in January 2023, in the Park 90, and it was a wonderful experience. I was the lighting designer. Sure. One of the most... Amazing places. I've got to see so many shows there as well. Um, and it is one of my like top five like stagey places. I give myself five, but I don't talk about all five of them on every episode. <laughs> Where's yours? Where's your stagey place? Um if you my, no, no, yeah. My stagey place. And it yeah. and it did change like two years ago, but my stage place now is Theatre 503 in Battersea in London. I'm a big, huge fan of new writing I work as a stage manager and I think for me when I work on new writing it's so incredibly exciting to be the only mm. you know there's only so few in the space that really know the script and know what you're producing and none of the audience knows what they're coming in for so mm. you know when you're when you're in that space in in a rehearsal or when you're watching a show that you're not involved in but you know nothing about it apart from what's been publicised online. There's something so exciting that everybody mm. in the room has a collective passion for watching mm. new writing, not based on, you know, who's in it, not based on who's written it, because it, new writing usually comes from up-and-coming people who want to get their stuff on the stage. And Theatre 503, for me, really homes in that idea of early career writers mm. being able to have that space and show their work so yeah for me theater 503 in london um is yeah great choice. i never got to work there and i know they produce first place so i feel too long in the tooth now yeah. which is such a shame because it's such an adaptable space like the royal court upstairs as well and part 90 that yeah. every time you go you feel like you're in a different theater because it is just so adaptable and constantly changing the stories they're telling in there yeah so i think it's a very good very good choice Thank you very much. Uh, rarely people ask me what my stage place is, so it's nice to talk. How rude. <laughs> but James, we were obviously here to talk about you and your writing, and we've been talking about Jab, which is written by you, James McDermott, and it's on at the Finborough Theatre from the 20th of February until the 16th of March. James, thank you so much for coming on to the stage place. I wish you all the best of luck with this play. I really do hope that I can get to come and see it whilst it's on at the Fimbra. I wish you all the best of luck for the time being with rehearsals and leading up to the show opening. Thank you very much. Very lovely to talk to you. And there we go. That was our interview with James McDermott, the writer of Jab, which is playing at the Finborough Theatre until the 16th of March. So you've still got time to grab your tickets and head on down to what has been receiving four and five star reviews across the board. If this is the first time you've been listening to The Stage Place, then welcome. We are so happy for you to join us here on this episode. If you would like to find out a little bit more about what we bring you here on The Stage Place podcast, as well as the shows that we go and see and the thoughts and opinions on everything that happens within this industry as well as the latest news then please do make sure to join us over on social media we're on instagram x and tiktok at the stagey place join us next week on the podcast when we'll have alex and helen coming on to talk about cassie and the lights a show that i first saw at the vault festival in 2020 and is this year coming to the southwark playhouse for brand new audiences to fall in love with the show so, until the next time you join us here on The Stagey Place, my name's been Elliot. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you're keeping safe and staying stagey.
Goodbye.